I appreciate what you're doing back there, brother. Um, the other guys haven't come in yet. Okay. Well, last week, uh, as you know, we began to, to look into this, uh, this passage of Scripture, which we now call the Lord's Prayer. Um, some people call it the disciples' prayer, and some people the people's, you know. But, but it's the, the Lord's Prayer that He gave to us. He wasn't praying it for Himself. We know that. that he had no need of praying uh, these things to Himself, but uh, uh, He was giving it to us. And, you know, um, and we quickly learned last week that our Lord wasn't giving us a prayer to chant daily. Uh, without ever really understanding what we're saying, uh, this is what the Ro- uh, the the Roman Catholic or the Catholics do in the, with this prayer. They take the same prayer and they and they just re- repeat it, just repetitively, uh, as if chanting it. There, there's no there's no uh, rhyme or reason, but they, they do it because that's what they were trained and taught to do. And it's, it's sad to say, uh, but many religions had this type of prayer, uh, and it's something that's repeated by all its followers. All right, that they just this is what they're taught, and it's regardless whether or not you put any thought or any heart into the prayer, all you do is repeat the same thing over and over again. And it's sad to see that uh, to do this isn't praying, it's just chanting, just chanting. All right, uh, don't get me wrong, when, when you and I, uh, when we pray and it's without heart, and it's without fervor, uh, it's without us consciously uh, recognizing what we're saying to the Lord. That's nothing but chanting. That's nothing but chanting itself. Uh, it, it won't be heard by our Heavenly Father. We, we've got to put heart and, and, and soul into our prayers. We've got to be consciously uh, aware of what we're saying. Hey, I, I've been in the same boat. Don't get me wrong. I've, I, I've been uh, up at late at night and, and, and trying to get some praying. And, and, and I'll, I'll doze off and I'll wake back up and I'll... Keep going from where I stopped, you know, where I thought I'd stop at least, and and pray a little bit more. And the next thing, I'm dozing off again. I'm waking back up and I'm praying still. That we might as well just hang it up and get some sleep, something like that. I'm being serious. That that that's not that's not what we're not putting our all into that prayer. And last week, we looked at the preface uh, of the Lord's Prayer, and we saw three points. To that preface. Alright. Um, uh, the first was the procedure. It says here in verse 9. After this manner therefore pray ye. That's the procedure. And God's, uh, the Lord was saying. This is, this is a, a, an outline. So to speak. Of, of how you should be praying. Alright. Then point two. Uh, the person. He says. Our father. Not our creator. Not our Lord or reigner or ruler or anything. Our Father. He, he made it personal for us. He made it, he made it a, a, a closeness to our created, Creator. Excuse me. He made it very personal for us. And hallelujah for that reason. Then third, he's, He gives us the place. Where's our Father? He says, which art in heaven? Which art in heaven? God rules and reigns in heaven. Earth is His footstool, the psalmist says. So today we'll look at the very first petition in our Lord's Prayer. 
we get to the second part uh, of this prayer, the, the Lord's petition. And now some of you, I know what you're thinking. Uh, you're saying, you're going too slow in this, Brother Matthew. Well, we could have went through the whole prayer last week and we could have been on with uh, the rest of Matthew chapter 6. And I, I, yes, you're right. And I, there are many people who, who, who exposit through the book of Matthew and they take a, one chapter uh, per sermon and go through it that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're doing a, a, a jog through the book when you do that. There's nothing wrong with it. But I like to stroll. I like to stop. We're on a, we're on a, a, a hiking trip here. and We're looking at all the flowers and the butterflies and the, and the, and the, uh, the dew on the roses there. We're looking and, and we're taking in and, and absorbing everything we can through this walk in Matthew. I don't want to miss nothing. Especially through something like this, that our Lord's teaching us something here. We need to stop and we need to, uh, to, uh, to, to take some notes, so to speak. We need to stop and, and think, alright, well, he's saying something pretty important here. Let's, let, let me see if I, if I can just absorb what he's saying here so I can remember it for future reference. And then also, I, I personally don't know any professional prayers. I don't know anybody that's got it down pat. I don't, I don't have, your pastor don't have it down pat. Don't think that, boy, I need some, I need some help praying. So I, I get Pastor Matthew, you know, he'll, he'll take care of it for me. Uh, I, I struggle with prayer just like anybody else does. I don't have, it, I don't have the, the secret to it. We all, we all need help in our prayers. Therefore, it will do us good to look over this prayer piece by piece in order that we may glean from it. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. We'll, uh, we'll get started with the first petition here. Father, once again, before I get started in this sermon, Lord, I want to ask for your help. Uh, Lord, you know what I've, I've prepared to say here, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that I'll speak your will and not dishonor you in anything that I say or do this morning, Father. And I pray, Lord, that uh, uh, the people will receive your word as such, Lord, your word and i pray father that uh, you will give us the strength and help to receive this lord and uh, help it to change our lives lord help us to to, to get it lord uh, and help us to apply this truth this wonderful awesome truth to our lives father i do pray in christ's name amen matthew chapter 9 verse excuse me chapter 6 verse 9b hallowed be thy name hallowed be thy name now, if you were to jump ahead and read the rest of the Lord's Prayer, you'll find petitions within this prayer that one day will not have to request it. There are things in there, that, such as uh, 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 the request of our daily bread. We, one day, when we get to heaven, we're not going to have to pray that prayer. We're not going to have to request daily bread from our Lord once we get to heaven. It's going to be awesome. We're not going to have to do that. But this petition right here is different. This petition won't ever be satisfied, so to speak. When we get to heaven, we see those, or we enter those pearly gates in heaven, we'll continue to hallow the Lord's name. We'll continue to, 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 to hallow His name through all eternity. It won't go away. And some of you may be wondering, what exactly does it mean to hallow the name of God? I'm glad you asked that question. 
It means to, to set apart a thing from the common use to, to some sacred end. To set it apart to some sacred end. Um, to hallow the name of God is to never use it in common language or speech. I know in Texan you see OMG a lot from people. That's, that's just a, 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 that's making it common speech there. But instead of doing that, to, to only use it in reverently, so to speak, in holy communication. Thomas Watson says it like this, and I, I, I've grown to love his writings more the more that I, the more that I read his stuff. I really like him. Uh, he says, in particular, hallowing God's name is to give him high honor and veneration and render his name sacred. We can add nothing to his essential glory. But we are said to honor and sanctify his name when we lift him up in the world and make him appear greater in the eyes of others. Not greater than he is, because he's the greatest, but greater in the eyes of others. So this morning, I'm going to concentrate on one question in particular, and that's also going to be our only point. Okay, we're going to have one point this morning. We're going to have six subpoints, but we're going to have one point. One point. Point number one, how do we hallow or sanctify, however you want to say it, how do we hallow or sanctify His name? That's our question this morning. I hope to be able to answer fully to each and every one of you. Alright? Now, if we're commanded by God to hallow His name, then it would do us well to know how to hallow, uh, hallow it, wouldn't it not? If we're commanded by God to hallow His name, we should know how to do that. I mean, we don't just, you know, we pray the prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's like, well, how do you, how do you, how do you hallow? Well, anyway, let's just skip that one. We'll go to the next one. Thy kingdom come. No, we need to know what it means to hallow. We need to know that we are presently or are know how to hallow His name. If you notice, this is the very first petition that God, the, the, that the Lord gives us. So I would conclude that uh, it's also the most important petition given. He doesn't just give things in random. We know that. When he gave the list of Beatitudes, they were in a strategic order. As a stair step would be, you start at the bottom there, uh, 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 poor in spirit, and you work your way up. Well, here we go again in another order. Hallowed be thy name being the first one, so most likely it's the most important thing we could do in our prayers. We need to know how to sanctify the name of God. And this is vital for every child of God. We need to know this. So I want to give you these six points, these six subpoints, excuse me, in answer to this first question. The first one, A, is when we trust in Him. When we trust in Him. Two subpoints underneath this. For lack of better words, I'll just say it. Uh, point one in salvation. In salvation, our very first time that we ever trust in the Lord is at the point of our salvation. 
Okay? Uh, when we receive Christ as our Savior, we are literally placing our trust in His finished work, which is the cross, the, 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 the burial, uh, or the, the grave, and then the resurrection. Uh, we're, we're placing our trust that, that what He did was sufficient to save us from our sins. And indeed it was. This is the very first act of sanctifying the name of God. Psalm 33, verse 21. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture this morning. Just so you know. Psalm 33, verse 21. For our heart shall rejoice in Him because we have trusted in His holy name. Hallelujah on that. You can truly rejoice in Him if you are a Christian. Alright? You have taken the load of and the penalty of sin off your own self, and you've given it to God for Him to handle when you've received Him as your Savior. You no longer have to be accountable for that sin when you die. Hallelujah. As the old song, or the song goes, gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Now my soul is free, and in my heart's a song. Buried in the deepest sea, yes, that's good enough for me. I shall live eternally, eternally. Praise God, my sins are gone, gone. Point number two, or the sub-point of this one, uh, as far as uh, entrusting in Him, will be in our daily life. We first trust Him at the point of salvation. And salvation is the most important thing that we could make a decision for in our lives. So why not trust Him in every other aspect of our life? We sanctify God when we trust Him in our daily life there. All right? Listen to what Paul says about Abraham over in Romans chapter 4, verse 20. He says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, this could mean that Abraham verbally gave glory to God as he trusted in Him. But look at what Paul says about Abraham. That he staggered not at God's promise, but was strong in the faith. He was strong in his faith. Regardless if Abraham ever verbally praised God, his faith spoke loudly in giving God praise because he was strong in his faith. He relied on God. He gave God glory just as your faith and my faith does when we apply it in our lives. You want to sanctify God in your daily life? Then begin to live out your life in faith. Quit staggering, all right? Or quit buckling under the trials and temptations, but be strong in the faith. This is how you and I can hallow the name of God in our lives. When we come at a bridge in our life, a spiritual bridge that we've got to cross over, and it looks like it used to be made of wood, and there's nothing but termites holding hands, but we've got to cross it, we cross it by faith. Uh, I can't remember which Indiana Jones movie it was, but he had to cross, the, he had to cross a, 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 a what? Yeah, that. Still couldn't hear you. But he couldn't see the, the walkway from one end to the other until he threw that sand down there and he saw it then. Sometimes we don't see the, the bridge, but we know we've got to cross it. Sometimes it looks unstable, but we know we've got to cross it. 
Well, we don't cross it by our eyesight. We cross it by faith. Obedience to God's Word is crossing whenever He tells you to cross something and quit looking for the, 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 where the first step goes and just keep crossing. Then B, when we worship Him. When we worship Him. Many may not understand this, uh, but to speak of God in vain or, or in a light manner is to profane His name. When you speak of God lightly, uh, I have a hard time with some comedian, Christian comedians, because they, they, they talk about God's Word or, or, or about God in a very vain, very light manner. And it's... And it's and it's degrading God's name. It really is. You and I would be better off not even mentioning the name of God than to mention Him in passing. Just in passing. OMG or whatever else you, you, you may would say. I remember as a, as a pre-teen, I would say, Oh God, quite a bit. In, some, in, in, in conversation, my aunt got on to me about it. Aunt Diane. You don't, you don't talk like that. So you told me to use another word or something in place of that. Don't just use that name like that. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you corrected me. The lack of reverence. Well, where am I at here? Okay, in worship. All right, when we worship him. The two sons of Aaron. Uh, some of you are familiar with that story. Uh, but they thought it was okay to just use any substance in their worship of, of the Lord. They thought they could just get any common fire, or, or what the Bible calls strange fire, which is common, is what, what that meant. They thought they could use just strange fire, or ordinary fire, instead of what the Lord... Ba- Look, the Lord in the previous chapter told uh, Moses and Aaron and all these guys exactly how He was to be worshipped. God took more time in the Old Testament to, to explain to them uh, the, the tabernacle and whatnot than, than it, Paul took in writing the book of Romans. If that doesn't say something about how, how God wants to be, expects us to worship Him, that ought, that ought to say something loudly. God expects us to worship Him the way He tells us to worship Him. Okay? But they, they thought, they, they took it light. On how they was to worship God. And because of their lack of reverence. Uh, with their worship of God. Uh, the fire which would have received their offerings. Became a fire of judgment. And consumed them. It killed the both. Uh, the boys of Aaron. And, and God's wrath. was He was so mad about it. He told Aaron. Don't you dare. Don't you dare weep for them. Don't you dare mourn for those two boys. They knew better. I told them what they were supposed to do. I told them how they were supposed to worship me. And they thought lightly of it. They thought they could just use some strange fire instead of the fire that I told them to use. Don't you dare mourn for them. And guess what? Aaron didn't. He held his peace. And if God was angry and talking to us, I think we'd hold our peace too. Listen to what... What the Lord tells Aaron right after his two sons were killed. He says, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. Both times, I will. God didn't say, I want to be sanctified. I want to be glorified. He says, I will be. 
You come nigh to me. You, you come close to me in worship. I'll be, uh, I will be sanctified. If you come close to me in worship, I will be glorified. If you want to do it, you're going to do it right. We got to remember that we don't come to God on our terms. We didn't for salvation. And we're not going to do it for worship either. We're not going to do it for worship either. Uh, we worship the Lord on His terms or we don't worship Him at all. There's a lot of churches out there that think they're worshiping God this morning. God ain't nowhere in it. God ain't nowhere in it. When we worship God, it's not charity that we're trying to give Him. He's, he's not looking for charity. Alright? We don't, we don't do this so that we feel good about coming to church. But we do it because we're commanded to do so. And it is a privilege to worship God. When, when are we going to realize this? That, that, that when we come here for worship, it's not so that, yeah, I, I came on Sunday, I feel good about it. I, I put $2 in the plate. I feel, you know, I've done good. I gave, I gave a little bit to the Lord. God doesn't want your money. He doesn't want you here. But He wants your heart. Amen. He wants your heart. He, if He's got your heart, He's got your pocketbook. He, if He's got your heart, he's got, he's got your desire to be here. Yes. Me and your wife, for the most part, doesn't want your pocketbook. They'll settle for it, I'm sure. But they want your heart. Me as a husband, I don't, I don't care about what my wife can do for me. I want her heart. If I have her heart, I know I got her. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about if she, if she falls out of love with me. If I have her heart, she's going to love me till the day I die. Then she'll find somebody else. <laughs> Make sure I'm cold, though. <laughs> but God wants her heart. God seeks to be worshipped in the purity of our hearts, not with fake outward show. I've seen that before. It burns me up. See somebody, you, you know they're living a life of sin, and then they come in here and they hoot and holler and shout and everything else, and then they go back out, and, and they're just as sinful and wicked as, as, the day they, they, as the morning they came in. We're to burn in our hearts with a desire to truly worship God. We're, we're to burn in our hearts with a desire to lift His name to the heavens because of His holiness. You're not to leave your worship at church so that you can return back next Sunday and, and worship again. But you're to bring your worship to church, partake of corporate worship, and then leave with worship in your heart and bring it back again next Sunday. See, we're not to ever stop worshiping. True worship never ends. True worship never ends. Look, look this, this is just corporate worship right here. We, we, we should have been worshiping some this morning on the, on the way or, or before we got here. And then when we, when we leave here, we're, we're going to worship some more later on today. Number three. Or C. I feel like that little kid on a... On a Home alone, the older brother. A, two, D. You know, that's how he's giving his points. That's, that's how I'm doing here this morning. I apologize. Number C, when we obey him. When we obey him. 
The psalmist says, I delight to do thy will, O God, my, uh, O my God. Uh, yea, the, thy law is within my heart. Let me read that again. Uh, Isaiah, uh, excuse me, Psalms 40, verse 8. It says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Chapter 40, verse 8. Now, the Christian whose, whose heart is one with his father does not have a problem obeying the word of God. Don't have a problem with it. In fact, as the psalmist says here, I delight to do thy will. It's a delight. There's something about having the pleasure of just basking in God's obedience. Just, just I don't know about you, but you, you, you see people struggling. And you know they're out of the will of God. And then you're just like, you, you just, you know, you're, you're walking with God. It's like, Phew, I'm glad I don't have that kind of problem. You know, uh, not, not, not to take pride in yourself, but just to know that, that you don't have to deal, you don't have to have God deal with you like that because you're, you're already in His will. Is what I'm trying to get at. Something about just being in God's will. Look, you, you know when bad times come, if you're in His will, you're right where you're supposed to be. You got, you got trouble coming because, uh, because you're doing what God tells you to do? So be it. It's whenever you're out of His will and you got trouble. That's when the problem rises. Yes. Too many Christians out of God's will thinking that they're being persecuted for being a Christian when they're just being persecuted because they're idiots. Yes. Yeah. I kid you not. I've I, I seen, I seen too many on TV, uh, uh, talk, on the news, talking about the, they're being persecuted because they're Christians. No, you're being persecuted because you're just stupid. Yeah. Samuel, while he was rebuking Israel's first king, which was Saul, he shouts to him and he says, Obedience is better than sacrifice. Samuel comes to, to Saul and he says, he says, Saul, didn't I tell you to kill everything in sight? Saul's like, well, I did. He said, what's this noise I hear? What, what does he say? The bleeding of the sheep? What, what is this noise I hear? Well, Saul, Saul says, well, Samuel, you got to remember, buddy, well, we, we got some fine animals right here and we can do some mighty good sacrificing to the Lord with these animals. I guarantee you that was not what he had in, in mind. Because if he didn't have a, if he didn't have the heart and mind to obey everything God told him to, he didn't have the heart and mind to sacrifice to God. Because he was lying through his teeth. Samuel was mad. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You got to remember that God isn't happy with your offering if you're not obeying His word. God isn't happy with your faithfulness to church if you're not obeying His Word. You, you say, well, should I stop coming? No, you shouldn't stop coming. But you should get, get right with God and, and come on anyway. Should I stop tithing? No, don't stop tithing. But get right with God and keep tithing. Throw in a love offering. As I've stated before, I'll say it once again. You can't pick and choose what you want to obey and not obey in God's Word. Amen. That's the problem with a lot of contemporary churches today. The, the pastors only want to preach on God's love. They only want to preach on the prosperity of the Christian. 
You never hear them talk about uh, uh, sermons on, on hell and the lake of fire, which is the final judgment for all those who reject Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You never hear them talk about persecution of the Christian. You can't take God's word as a la carte. There's other things wrong with contemporary churches too, but I ain't got time this morning to get into it. I heard one preacher say you ought to take your dictionary and cut contemporary out of it. The, more, the longer I live, the longer I agree with that. D. When we praise Him. When we praise Him. Once again, we, we look at the, the Psalms for guidance and encouragement. Uh, listen to Psalm 71 verse 8. It says, Let thy mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. When we begin to praise the Lord, our mouths become bows that shoot arrows of golden utterance that, the, that are heard by the angels in the heavenlies. God likes to hear us praise Him. John writes in his vision uh, uh, over in Revelation, he says, uh, And every creature which is in the heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and upon the Lamb forever and ever. Amen. We can sanctify the Lord's name with our praises. The psalmist says, Whosoever offer, offereth praise glorifieth me. You want to glorify the Father in heaven? Start offering him some praises. I've been keeping up with that seven times a day do I praise thee. I'll tell you what, it's just it's marvelous. To stop and take a minute and just start praising God. You, 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 it, it, it brings you into a focus of God-centeredness. Instead of looking at, uh, out, the, out there at the world, you're starting to look up at heaven and starting to realize, hey, there's something more important I can be doing right now than, than thinking about the stupid things of this world. When we verbally praise the name of God, it magnifies His names to others that hear it whether they be of, the, of God's house or not. Whether you be here at the church when you're praising God or if you're out on the street praising Him, praising His name. Thomas Watson, he says this. I know this is my second quote from him. He says, this is one of the highest and purest acts of religion. In prayer, we act like men. In praise, we act like angels. Praise is the music of heaven and a work fit for a saint. I like that. It's fitting for the, uh, for the Christian to praise the Lord with, all, with their whole heart. Uh, says Psalms 111 verse 1. We should extol Him with our tongue. Says Psalms 66 verse 67. Or excuse me, verse 17. Excuse me. To extol is to worship or praise. Even more, when times of affliction, or during times of affliction, Job, when he was scratching the boils on his body with a piece of clay, or potsherd, whatever you want to call it, uh, when he was mourning over the loss of his, of his children, and he was mourning over the loss of his, of his wealth, sitting there in the ashes, he says, The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. How much more of a praise can you get when you're in the, the bottom of the pit? And you're still able to praise God. Ten thousands upon ten thousands of praise right there for that praise right there. 
It's easy to praise God when you're on top of the mountain, when, you, when your income is coming in, when your passive income is coming in, and you don't have to work for a living, and you don't have to, you don't have to worry about where your next meal is coming from. It's easy to praise God then. Yet, yeah, most Christians still don't. But it's, it's easier to praise God then. But let all hell break loose in your life and still praise Him. Let the worst that you think can happen to you come your way and still praise Him. E. Someone once said, we had better have we had better have truth without peace than peace without truth. Oh, what a statement. What a statement. It's important for everyone to know the truth. Pilate stood before the Lord when he was condemning him, and he asked him this. What is truth? Who, who better could answer that question than the Lord? He was the living truth. Sadly, Pilate never waited for a response. Just to think that Pilate was standing right there in front of the living truth, yet never waited. Never waited to hear him what, it, what he had to say. The light of truth may have just flickered for a moment within his heart, but he quenched it when he walked away. Today, you and I have the written truth given us, to us by God. The Holy Bible. When we stand for truth, we're giving honor to our Lord. When we, we, we sanctify His name, when, we, when His truth is released from our lips to this world, when we're witnessing to someone, we sanctify His name every time we speak to someone about the love of God and the power to save. This is hallowing the name of the Lord. And then lastly, by our lifestyle. I knew he was going to get to that preacher. By our lifestyle. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Love that verse. We have obtained royalty through our Savior. Now we're a peculiar people, or at least we should be. We should be a little different. That oddball neighbor of ours. That, that's who we should be. That's who we should be. He never comes to our barbecues. Peter continues in this, this same chapter. He says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust." which war against the soul. He says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil, they speak against you as evildoers, that may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Our lives should reflect that we're not of this world. That we have a standard and a guide to live by. And that standard is the Word of God. And that guide is the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. There should be something different about, about the Christian. Different at school. You say, well, I, I go to a, 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 a Christian school. Well, there are some unsaved people at Christian schools. There really is. 
Sad to say, we should act like Christians, young and old. Especially the older generation because the younger generation is looking up to you. Now I put myself in that category. I'm over 40. Barely. I like to think. But it's not enough to come to church every week. You'd best start living like a Christian every day. And it's not enough to pray over your meals publicly. You'd best start showing some fruit of a Christian life in your own life. In conclusion, this is our reason for existence. In the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it opens with a great question. And also gives a great answer, which I have to agree with. Their question is, what is the chief end of man? He said, preacher, are you getting reformed? Are you getting Calvinistic? No, no, I'm not. Uh, they got some good, good writings, but I'm not Calvinist. You know that. You should know better. I read everything. But what is the chief end of man? I love their answer. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Let me give that to you again. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. I want to give you two verses here that help us in understanding this truth. Romans chapter 11 verse 36. If you want to write that down. It says, For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And then 1 Corinthians 10.31 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That should sell it right there. Everything that you and I can do and ever will do has the potential to glorify our Father which is in heaven. With that said, everything that you and I can and will ever do has, also has the potential to mock our Father which is in heaven. What have we been doing in our lives lately? Have we been mocking God or have we been glorifying God? Either or. We've been, look, you, you parents know better than anybody else. You, your child can either, can either be the little, best little angel out in the store or it can be the most embarrassing thing you've ever uh, had encountered in your life. You, you know either or. And you know what your heart feels like when they're the or. It's like, <laughs> I'd like to get him home. Oh, wait until you get home, son. You know, yeah. Or a girl. We know what it's like. But in both of these passages, Paul is telling his listeners, along with you and I, that we are indeed to glorify God in every aspect of our lives. Every part of it. Don't miss these chances that, that he's given us. Right, don't miss uh, being able to sanctify God's name in every aspect of your life. Hallowed be thy name. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Don't miss these, these chances. Well, look, look, you can be cooking at home. You can still glorify God in your cooking. Some say that they, they wish God would come down and help glorify the cooking. But I don't have that problem anymore. We can glorify God at work. Oh, so many opportunities I've missed in my life of glorifying God at work. So many times have I rather, rather went to, along jesting and cutting up 
and being, being part of the world instead of glorifying God in my actions, in my, in my thoughts, and in my, my, uh, my words, my speech. You say, should you be uh, uh, like, a, like a, uh, a, a, a priest or something to where uh, you walk into the room and nobody wants to talk to you and, and, and they just look away? and what? No, but you can still glorify God in, the, in your actions. I have a good time at work with some Christians. We don't, we don't have gutter talk. You don't have to have gutter talk in order to have a good time. We, we, we have a great time talking about this right here. Oh my goodness. We have a good time talking about our families. Most of it good. We have a good, we have a good time talking about the, what, what we plan on doing, our vacations, or what, what we plan on, what we have done, what we want to do. You can have a good time without having gutter conversations. Don't miss these chances. I'll leave you with this. Who better to honor with our lives than the one who gave us the ability to live out our lives? Amen. Isn't he worthy of our praise? Yes. Of course. Of course. Then why not praise him? Why not praise him? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your example. Thank you for teaching us in your word how to pray. And Father, through this series on your prayer, help us to grasp it in our lives and help it to click and for us to understand it and learn to pray. Father, bless us this morning as we go our separate ways. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.